Hi, welcome to the Mind Body Space podcast, where you can boost your resilience just by listening. Whether you're watching this on YouTube at my Fall Asleep Easy channel or on a podcast platform, please subscribe and share to support this free evidence-based content curated just for you. I'm Dr. Juna, a board-certified radiologist and lifestyle medicine specialist. I'm here to help you stress less and thrive in today's complex world. Join me as I meet fascinating experts in meditation, neuroscience, education, and lifestyle medicine. To get special tips and tools, head on over to mindbodyspace.com and sign up for the newsletter. Links are below. I can't even believe who I have here with me today. His name is Leo Babauta. You might have heard of his blog. It's called Zen Habits, and it has more than 2 million readers, with Time Magazine naming it one of their top 25 blogs and top 50 websites. When I started on my path to mind-body medicine and minimalism, his blog was one of the first ones that really spoke to me. According to Leo, Zen Habits is about finding simplicity and mindfulness in the daily chaos of our lives. It's about clearing the clutter so that we can focus on what's more important, create something amazing, and find happiness. It's about clearing the clutter so we can focus on what's important, create something amazing, find happiness. You're going to love this conversation. He's going to give us so many tips on how to slowly but surely transform into a healthier, wealthier, and happier life. Hey, Leo. Thank you so much for being here today. Sure. Uh, you thanks sound for having me. great. Which oh, microphone awesome. are you using? This, uh, some kind of Audio Technica uh, microphone. It sounds great. And I've been awesome. listening to your new podcast, so. Awesome. Yay. Yeah, any feedback on that? I just listened to the first few. It sounds okay. great. It's like a challenge, right? Yeah, yeah. Just in- inviting people to play along for sure. Yeah. Do you want to tell the audience about your new podcast and like what? Sure. It's about? Yeah, so the new podcast was something that I've been wanting to do for years. Uh, really like to deepen the conversation from the blog post that I do on Zen Habits. Um, but I decided this year to finally like commit myself to doing it because <laughs> there's always like a thousand reasons not to do it. Um, you know, always so busy. But um, I committed myself and I decided to, um, I wasn't sure what I wanted to focus on because I have a lot of topics that I'm really interested in and that I'd like to write about, but I decided to do it in seasons. And so this first season is about um, fear and resistance and uncertainty, especially around your purpose work, meaningful work. And um, so it's going to be about four four months long, and it's inviting people to be a part of it. So they aren't just like listening and, and learning, but actually putting it into action, which is where they'll run up against their actual resistance and uncertainty and fear if they're actually trying to put into action and then they can send in questions i might do some live coaching um, and um, it'll be more interactive more of a dynamic kind of process wow well i liked it when um i first heard your introduction of it and then mm. i think i listened to the first episode or two but i have now that i hear you talking about it again i definitely need it <laughs> I definitely okay need to, i'm on there and uh yeah how are you doing the lives you're gonna have people call in with questions or you know things like that um, or are you doing on youtube live what are you doing you know i haven't figured that out there's so many live platforms now it could actually come on to this one that we're doing right now, but um, or there's Zoom, there's Facebook Live, so I might just play around with it and see which what works, you know. Awesome. But, um, the main thing is, yeah, get someone on, have a conversation, and do some coaching. Okay, well, 
I love your voice. So your podcast, is, awesome. you know, I'm sure is going to take off. And this idea of resistance and changing and doing meaningful work, which is all, you know, what I'm trying to do right now or yeah. <laughs> have been trying to do for the last decade or two. Yeah, I think that's a great idea to have people interact with you in that way. And you know, I already gave your introduction, but I mean, obviously you're one of my idols because mm, you started your awesome. blog way back in 2005, right? Was it? Uh, 2007 is when the blog started. 2005 when I started making all the changes that I've made in my life. Yeah. No, 2005 is when I started making the changes. And then after like a year plus of doing that, I started Zen Habits. So 2007 is when I started the Okay, blog. so when you started 2007, had you already changed a lot of things? Because I know at that yeah. time you had some debt you were talking about that you mm -hmm. paid off and then you changed a ton of habits. Um, yeah. Could you refresh us on the beginnings of your amazing blog, which <laughs> to this day I think is the most beautiful because it's so clean looking, mm. you know, just the appearance of it. I love it. I don't Thank think you. there's many blogs that look like that. And I certainly try to look like that, but I can never do it. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's an art for sure. Yeah, it's a restraint because you, you can't, you know, like you want to add things, but you just yeah. have to restrain yourself. <laughs> yeah, I'll talk about my, my journey in 2005, but to speak to what you just said, what I realized is like, I didn't like going to other people's websites because it was always like things popping up and also cluttered and it just was stressful. And so I'm like, what, what's the experience that I would like to have reading? And so I created that um, for the blog. So yeah, simplicity is definitely the name of the game for me. Um, well, I just want to add to that, that sure. even though you said to yourself, this is what I would want to see, and you made it that way, you haven't changed it, which is such, to me, that's so beautiful because mm. I'm always changing everything. <laughs> I'm like constantly changing my website. And you yeah. are somebody that I aspire to be like that. I mean, I have other strengths. Sure, <laughs> I'm not, sure. I'm not knocking myself. But I do definitely like aspire to something like that where you have that pre multimedia presence where you are so calm and mm. zen and your page is zen. I'm sure your life is not always zen because you have six kids and not at all. all that, right? You have six kids, right? If I Six remember kids. Most of them are adults now. Actually, they're almost all grown. So, uh, but yeah, wow. even still, they're still very much in my life and my life yeah. is abundant. And uh, yeah, it's not always calm and zen for sure. <laughs> anyway, I was going off track, but sure. I'm decluttering again today. I'm actually a minimalist in my house. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, it's always an uphill battle to stay very minimal, right? Yeah, that's like the website. Our our lives are like that, where it's just always the tendency is to accumulate, you know, and it's not because of anything wrong with us. It's just like people give us stuff. We go out into the world and get things. Sometimes we get really interested in something and start buying stuff. And then all of a sudden, oh, I need to like kind of fight against the trend. So yes. Simplicity and minimalism are not, they don't come for free. We have to actually work work at it. Um, oh. I'm definitely guilty of like ordering too many things on Amazon once in a while. And then I have to say like, is this, you know, looking around, is this what I want? Or, you know, and so like, you know, recently I actually went on a, a little bit of a spree of not buying, but getting rid of stuff, things, sending things out the door and like paring down to the essentials. And 
That's so much fun, as I'm sure you know. It's fun. And sometimes it can be painful because you're trying to get your family to throw stuff away also. Um, And recently I was diagnosed with allergies Hmm. to dust, like dust mites, which it turns out four out of five American homes all have this. And people Hmm. might not even know that they're allergic, but it's giving me another reason to just get rid of everything, including even rugs. So, uh, (laughs) yeah, I'm really excited, actually. (laughs) That's so cool. I just have one more question for you for the website. You never think, oh, I should just add one thing here, make it different. Like, has the font stayed the same? No, you know, actually, I changed it a few years ago, maybe four or five years ago. But um, it wasn't much different. So I I just kind of did a little bit of a refresh with different fonts. But um, yeah, it's for me, there's like, there's something... I do get tempted to add stuff to it, um, but there's something about it that I really love. And so it's just like, I don't know, I, it's trying to protect something that I cherish. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. I appreciate it because I love looking at your blog page. But okay. when those thoughts come, like you want to add stuff, what do you do to process that? Yeah, I have to return to like what what's important to me. What am I committed to creating in the world? And um, there's... You know, the things that I want to add usually are something um, that will benefit me, you know, in, as a business. Um, and so I'm like, oh, this would be really great. And then it's just like, well, you know, is it worth losing what I've created that I really love? And so, yeah, that's that's kind of the process. And what yeah. you love is simplicity, like you were saying again, and you were going to go back and tell us about the beginning of your journey sure. and why you changed and how you changed, because I think most people want to know. How do you change? It's so hard, right? Yeah, as my one of my favorite topics. So, um, mm-hmm. so 2005, I was living in Guam, where I'm from. Uh, we had five kids and one on the way, and um, so my wife was pregnant, and I was in a place where I felt really stuck. So I was a smoker. I was sedentary. I was overweight. I had really bad diet. I couldn't change. I couldn't exercise. I was really um, I tried to exercise a whole bunch of times and I couldn't stick to it. Um, I was a procrastinator. I woke up, I, you know, just bad sleep habits, um, really deeply in debt. So just like you know, a lot of clutter. So pretty much my whole life was a huge mess. And I was like, I really want to change all of it. And I kept failing. And so I decided I'm going to start with one thing. And I chose quitting smoking, which was one of the hardest ones. So that, that, um, you know, was difficult, but um, I really like that I chose it. Now that I look back on it, because I I did a lot of research, and there was a lot of stuff about how to quit smoking. And so I I took things from the national, you know, American Cancer Society, and you know, different things online where people were were helping each other to quit, and um, and I started putting them into action. I tried everything. It's like throwing spaghetti at the wall and seeing what sticks, you know. And um, I learned some things. That actually helped me with the next thing, which was running. So I wanted to run to relieve stress and to get a little bit healthier. Um, and so I started running. I couldn't even run for like five minutes, 10 minutes. And then eventually I could run three miles and I ran my first 5K. And then I'm like, I'm signing up for a marathon. So <laughs> I uh, committed to running a marathon a year later, which was in December 2006. And so I, I applied a lot of the same things that I learned from smoking to running and then eating healthier. Eventually I became vegetarian and then later vegan. Um, 
I started applying it to clutter and getting rid of debt and pretty much everything. And by the end of 2006, I changed so many things. I was still in the middle of the process. I always am, actually. But I was I had changed so much. I wasn't out of debt yet, but I was much further along in the journey. I was waking up earlier. I wasn't procrastinating as much. I was uh, running and eating healthier. I had lost a bunch of weight, I think like 30 pounds at that time. Later, eventually, it was like 60 pounds. And so I wanted to start Zen Habits in 2000, January 2007 as a way to like chronicle all of those changes and some of the things I was learning and share it with others and also use it for some accountability. So I want, wow. I was still had like debt that I wanted to get out of. So I was like, I'm going to commit myself to like being accountable for spending and debt and all of that stuff. That's an incredible yeah. story, but it's almost too incredible. Sure. <laughs> so I want to ask you sure. details because most people will hear that. And I was listening and I'm like, how did he do all that? Like, how I can't the hell? That. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've made changes in my life, but um, I guess it's gradual, but you did it within a year. So to me, that sounds fantastic and amazing. But how did you do it? Like, were you as a kid, when you grew up, were you into health? Did you understand how mm -hmm. to eat clean? Was this no. all stuff you learned? So you were smoking? What you know? Did you know that smoking is bad for you? I, I knew. Does, yeah, <laughs> I knew smoking was yeah. bad for me. The smoking uh -huh. one. So first of all, one answer to what you're saying is it was really messy. Like I gave you kind of the short version, but if you go into the real, real version of it, mm -hmm. it was like I would start and stop, and I would, um, but. Along the way, as I was working with all of the messiness, I learned things that actually helped with all of that. So like there's mm -hmm. times when you're going to be doing really great and then you're going to fall off and get really discouraged. And that's a really key part of any process. And mm -hmm. if you if you just let that be the end of the story, then like you really missed out on what it's like to come back from that. And so if you can learn how to come back from that, then you can, you know, overcome really anything. So so how did you learn? I mean, did you have any background in you know, meditation or Zen or no, what was oh, that was another one. Like, what was your upbringing like? <laughs> what was Leo up until how old were you when you started this whole transformation? I was, uh, in my early 30s, early 30s. So, yeah. what, who was Leo until early 32. 30s? Were you like, you know, you said you're procrastinating, you're sleeping irregularly, you were just eating poorly, junk food, not exercising, all those sure. things. So, how does Leo, who is used to that, like, were you already priming your brain prior to that? Were you watching, let's say, documentaries or reading no, books? I, or so up until then, I, I mean, I would I'd say I, I was I was living in the island of Guam, which was it's you know tropical, but it's also very American. So it's it's mm. very much like the U.S., but okay, you know, kind of like Hawaii, like U.S. but in the tropics, you know. So. Um, so I was living there, but I yeah I would say I lived a typical American life in a lot of ways, um, other than probably having more kids than average. <laughs> um, but we spent too much. We were in debt. Everyone in Guam has six kids, uh, practically. Oh, okay. But um, yeah, they're Catholic and make a lot of babies. But mm -hmm. anyway, um, so yeah, so um, my life was very very typical, and I tried. I had tried a lot of things in terms of in terms of priming myself. I tried. Um, you know, a lot of diets. So mm -hmm. I, I remember back then there was like Atkins diet. I had done that mm. South Beach diet, like all the fad diets at the time. I tried them and failed a bunch of things in like men's magazines that I tried and none of them worked. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I think those actually really helped is trying a bunch of stuff and seeing mm -hmm. myself failing. 
it was discouraging and frustrating, but I think those, in terms of priming myself, that was really important. I so tried that for years. You were doing that, like in your yeah. early 30s or something, when you started having kids, maybe. Right for years, okay. and I had okay. tried also um, ex- all kinds of exercise plans, and you know couldn't couldn't make them stick. I tried quitting smoking seven times, and I failed every single time. And so those were all important. I also had read a book called Zen Mind, Beginner's Mind, which kind of woke me up to that. I was not a meditator, but I started meditating when I, when I quit smoking um, because I realized I had done a bunch of things in terms of tracking when I was, uh, had the urge to, to smoke mm-hmm. and what was triggering that. And I realized that the thing that was in common was that uh, it was all stress. It was like stress of being in an argument, stress of you know uh, having some stressful meeting at work, or being overloaded with my day, or mm-hmm. kids are going crazy. So uh, <laughs> all of it was stress, and and I had to have a way to relieve that that wasn't smoking, because you can't just take away the you know the bad habit and just think that everything's going to be fine. Like you have to have something to replace it. If there's no other coping mechanism, eventually you're going to be like, ah, and then finally go back to it, <laughs> which is what had happened all the other times. So uh-huh. the things that I did to um, cope with stress was one, um, running. So I started running, but I couldn't do that, you know, 40 times a day. So uh, running was one. I meditated, but I also like, you know, didn't do that every single time. Um, I would kind of massage my neck and breathe deeper Um Eating was another one, but that wasn't healthy. So I eventually uh, started eating frozen grapes uh, because they're they're healthy, but they they do something in the in the mouth that kind of replaces cigarettes. And then also um, they're cold and they bring some mindfulness to it. So actually, that was like a magical trick. I didn't make that up, but someone else gave that to me. And did you Um, have all these things written on a wall, like all the things you like to do so you could choose? So the thing, the reason why that one stuck after failing seven times was mm-hmm. I didn't take it lightly. I was, I got really committed to it. So what I did was instead of just saying, I'm going to quit today, like it was like nothing. I said, I'm going to take this seriously. And so I set a quit date that was two weeks in the future. Mm-hmm. So November 5, 2005, uh, November, yeah, I think it was something like that, November 12th, 2005. And so I set that as a date. I wrote it down. And then I said, before that, I'm going to prepare myself so that I'm actually ready. And so what I did is I carried around a little piece of paper and a pencil, and I wrote down little tally marks every time I had the urge to smoke. So if I smoked, I get to smoke, but I always write down the tally mark. And then I would write on another piece of paper. So that was just to bring mindfulness to it, awareness to it. And then I wrote on another piece of paper, what's the thing that came right before it that made me want to smoke? So, oh, I just ate, or I just woke up, or I used the bathroom, or I, you know, what it was in a meeting, or got into an argument with my wife. So all of those things, I just wrote them down. And I started making a list of triggers. And then um, I, before I, the, the actual quit date, I wrote down, what am I going to do when each of those happens? So if, mm-hmm. you know, get into an argument with my wife, what's my replacement? Because it can't be smoking. And then I, the other thing that I did that really helped was I made a commitment to my wife who was pregnant. And after her pregnancy, she was very likely to go back to smoking if I was smoking. So I'm like, I'm making a commitment to you. And I made a commitment to my oldest daughter, who was like 12 at the time. Oh, wow. And I said, I'm not going to, I won't, I, I'm committed to smoking. And I promise you that I will. And promising them 
and having them as the reason, her, you know, not just that one daughter, but all my kids as a reason that this really mattered to me. I was not only saving my own life, I was saving theirs and my wife's life. Um, that was what I had to call into mind when I had the urge and I like, it's okay to smoke. It's just this one time, you know, whatever I, story I told myself. When I had that urge, I had to remember my promise and remember why this mattered. Was there ever any times where you felt like, yeah, I know this matters, but I don't care because <laughs> you're in <laughs> such a bad mood? Because I know oh, I yeah. do that sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So at that point. Talk about resistance, right? That's exactly it. I mean, like this sounds like nothing, but it is something for me because I do yeah. really need to do this. But I had a bag of potato chips and I wasn't supposed to. I'm like, you know, I'm trying to bring down my cholesterol right now. So that's right. But then the resistance is like, eh, yeah, I know. I know I'm not supposed to do this, but I'm going to do it anyway. That's the resistance, right? right? That's that voice. And you exactly. just do it. And it sounds like you did it anyway and you tallied it well, somehow. That was, I, I let myself do that before the quit date. Mm-hmm. After the quit date, what I promised was not one puff ever. Nope was my oh, acronym. Okay. Not, not a single one. Because I knew that that was my tendency. I, I knew it was like, oh, this time is okay. This one time. And of course, that one time isn't going to kill you. There's truth to that. That's why it works. Because there's, you know, like one potato chip. You know, that's nothing. But I knew yeah, that even, that was all, even always... Even as I say it now, I, it sounds stupid. Like, oh, I had a bag of... People will be like, so? Who cares? So what, right? Yeah, but it does matter. What I knew from experience, from watching this, is that that was a lie. It was a way to lie to myself. Is like one puff is okay, but I always knew that's going to lead to the second one and the third, and then I'm just back to smoking. And so that actually, that one will actually kill me, is what I had to tell myself. And so what I had to do to deal with that resistance that you're asking about is create a moat. So it's so easy when the potato chips are right there or the pack of cigarettes are right there, just to reach for it and get it. So you know, I actually created this with with food too when I started changing my diet was I, I got rid of all the cigarettes, so they, there weren't any in the house. When I changed my eating later, I also got rid of junk food, or I would put it somewhere where, where I couldn't access it, but my wife and kids could if they wanted to have it still. And so, like, they're, you know, like, basically, literally, like, padlocking it so that I couldn't get it. Um, and so I had to create a moat like that. I, in order to get a cigarette, I'd have to drive to a store, buy a pack. And so I had to... What that did is it made it much easier to realize that I was in that resistance that you're talking about. And then I had to have something to do when I realized it. So I could, you know, it wasn't that hard to drive to the store, but what am I going to do when I realize I'm about to do this? So I made a promise to these people, group of people online. I was in this online quit uh, forum and I said, I won't smoke a single puff until until I post on here. So if I have an urge, I have to post somewhere and uh, say that I'm about to smoke. And Mm -hmm. that added to the moat. And then the same thing, you know, like I was going to call someone. So I basically started adding to this moat where it was not easy. And it was actually going to be a little bit embarrassing (laughs) to do it. So um, and so that made me really work with the resistance. But I'll tell you one more thing, if that's okay. If I, I just want to share one other thing that's really, really important. Um, Absolutely. So that was the moat, and that helped me to not actually reach for it so easily. But I had to learn to work with the urges, and this changed my whole life. Um, so that when the urge comes, 
Before, I wouldn't even realize that there's a physical sensation in my body that's an urge. I would just go and do the thing that the urge was telling me to do. So, you know, smoke a cigarette, eat a bag of chips, whatever it is. Um, and so I would just do it without even thinking about it. It was just like, it was almost like it was a command or like no choice. And so what I did with the urges was I started when I had the urge because the moat was there, I'm like, oh, I'm having an urge right now. And so I would turn into to my body and watch the urge as a physical sensation. It's like a tightness and this rising kind of anxiety, really. And when that happens, what I learned to do was just sit with it and I could watch and it would go stronger and stronger and stronger. And then it would go down and in, in intensity and it would come back and would go down and then eventually just like be nothing. So it was in these waves and all I had to do was wait for it to crest. And I realized it wasn't even that hard. Like it seems like a panic situation, but it's like, you know, momentary and not even that. It's not like, you know, you're curled up in a ball, like on the floor, you know, mm -hmm. having withdrawal symptoms. It's just like a small urge. And when I learned to do that with, with quitting smoking, um, first of all, it put me more at choice and in power. But second of all, I could do that with eating. I could do it with the urge to not go running. I could do it with pretty much everything, procrastinating, um, you know, focus with work, uh, you know, wanting to wake up early and, um, you know, debt stuff, all of that kind of stuff. It all came down to urges, which were, which are invisible to most of us. But if you can learn to like make them visible and work with them, it's not even that hard. Um, and this is actually how to work with that resistance. So basically you learned or you read about it, I don't know, or you're doing mindfulness or mm -hmm. meditation and you noticed that you were having thoughts like go eat this or smoke that. Right. And you just watched that voice in your head or well, felt that physical feeling of the physical being attracted feeling. to like this urge, yeah, wanting to yeah. eat it or wanting to do this behavior. And you just watched that feeling in your body. Like yeah. I'm feeling an urge in my body to do that's right. this. And so there is a voice. I, that's not so much what I was working with. I did learn to watch that as well. But the voice comes from the physical feeling. So mm -hmm. you have the physical feeling and then you're like, ah, oh, go do this. Like it's okay to do it one time. And it that is your, that's your fear really. Like saying like, you know, give into this. But there's a, a, an urge first, and that's just a physical thing. And you, we have them all day long. It's the urge to check your phone, go to social media, check your messages, email, you know, distract yourself, whatever it is, go to YouTube or Netflix. Like we, we have them, we're driven by them pretty much all day. Neurologically speaking, it's like your habitual formation and, and basically right. what people talk about is dopamine hits, even though, hmm. I mean, dopamine is in your body and for many different things than just urges, but it's involved in it. So sure. that's what you're describing. That habitual urge is your brain sending neurotransmitters, telling your body to physically want something that brings you pleasure. Yeah. <laughs> or we get, think get your it reward. brings us pleasure. Yeah. yeah. But only in that moment, because in the long run, it doesn't bring us pleasure at all. You um, feeling that sensation in your body Neuroscience researchers have shown that emotions and physical sensations actually happen simultaneously. They couldn't separate the timing mm. of thoughts, emotions, physical sensation. Like it was all just 
one thing. We don't, yeah. And sometimes it might come from one place or the other, right? Like you might have a thought and then it brings an urge because you're passing by your favorite donut shop. Sure. Yeah. (laughs) Or, or like you're saying, you're just feeling this urge because maybe you're addicted to nicotine and then the thoughts come after that. Now I have a question for you. What happens when you watch the urge and you're like, yeah, there's that urge and now it's gone. I don't have to get, do this thing. And then afterwards, no urge. But then you're like, mm. hey, you know what? I'm going to do it now. <laughs> I could do it anyway. Yeah. Have you ever had that? I definitely had that. <laughs> I, um, I'm trying like to think because for again, me, it there's always like, an urge. Oh, um, okay. Yeah. But I don't know if that's true. So uh, I, I'm only speaking to my experiences. Uh-huh. There's pretty much always it's there. It's, it's maybe like not as strong and so not as obvious. Uh-huh. Um, but, you know, maybe not. Maybe it's just a thought that comes in, like you said. And no, so, maybe maybe you're right. Like we do have urges all the time. Maybe I'm yeah, I'm going to definitely look for that well, for myself as well. <laughs> let's let's say it was just a thought. You know, it could be it could be either one. But if it's a thought, the way that I work with that is I start to write those thoughts out. So I'll, you know, maybe I'll eat the bag of potato chips, but then, you know, halfway through the the bag, I'm I could have stopped and there's still a thought that says finish the damn bag, right? <laughs> so so yeah. um it'd be really good to like get present to what those thoughts are. And so I like to write those down because that's what my fear tells me. Like, it's okay. It's not, you know, like why you're making yourself suffer is another one that I came up with. That's your fear talking? Yeah, that's my fear talking. Like, Can you why explain are you... that to me? Okay, so let's say I'm, you know, I'm withholding uh, cigarettes or junk food from myself. I'm kind of parenting myself. Like, it's not a good thing for you, but my there's a part of me that just like, just let me have... This thing that I want right now, that's the kind of part that just wants to have whatever it wants immediately. And there's nothing wrong with that part, but it is afraid that it's not going to get what it wants. It's going to, it's afraid that you're just making it suffer for your whole life. And so then it just comes up for the fear that comes up is um, something around like, I can't do this. This is too hard. I'm not, you know, I'm not strong enough. And so it will come up with a thought that's really good at convincing you. And the thought would be something like, life is too short. Why are you making yourself suffer? You know what I mean? Something like that. Like it, it, one bag of chips is not going to be the end of the world. And or there's so much it. truth to those things, you know? Yeah, everyone's doing it. It's not a big deal. Like, why are you, you know, I, another one is why are you putting yourself through this? So these are, these are thoughts that come up and I don't have to believe those thoughts. There, you know, who knows where these thoughts come from? I believe they come from fear, and the, it's the fear is trying to convince us to protect us, protect us. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, but the thing is, if you're aware of them, you don't have to believe it. Like, oh yeah, I know, like I know that one. Again, that's why I put came up with that acronym. Or I didn't actually come up with it. I use that acronym, not one puff ever, because mm-hmm. it countered the the thing that my fear was telling me, which is one one puff like not even a whole cigarette one puff is okay there's so much truth to that like there's no, it is okay you know one yeah. time yeah. um and so it it is very good at coming that up with those sense. things yeah. so i had to see that that was happening and then come up with a counter to it like what's what what's the one that i'm what am i going to say when that happens um so that's how i'd recommend working with it so you you use the if then Exactly. Which is one of the most powerful cognitive yeah. behavioral therapy. Did you read about this or it was just came intuitively for Again, you? Again, I did a lot of research into what worked for uh, quitting smoking. So cognitive mm-hmm. behavioral stuff was a big part of that. 
Um, so I, I pretty much tried everything. And the ones that worked are the ones I'm talking about now. Those are the mm-hmm. ones I tried with the other habits, running and eating and clutter and debt and stuff. Amazing. Yeah. I'm just so curious. I mean, when you were younger, were you, are you like a creature of habit? Mm, not at all. I don't. I wouldn't say I'm like, I have stronger tendencies to like, you know, no habits than mm-hmm. most people. I would say I'm pretty pretty average. I, I am now, okay. but I wasn't, I wasn't naturally. Like growing up, I wasn't a creature of habit. You know, in my 20s, I wasn't. I was mm-hmm. I totally the opposite. That's how I ended up where I was. Uh-huh, um, uh-huh. And so I, I wouldn't say I'm naturally a creature of habit. It took some work to get where I am. And even now, like new habits are not necessarily easy. They, they don't come for free. So I have to actually put some work into it. Um, and some of them I definitely have a lot of resistance to. Um, and that's, that's where I, I've learned to, this is actually what the podcast season is about, is how to work with that resistance now with what I've learned over the last five to 10 years, not, not back from 2005, but mm-hmm. like 2015. But and you've so, been able to keep up all those habits you started in 2005, right? But you said it was messy. It could come and go. Um, yeah. Like even now, like, you know, at one point I decided I was going to wake up at 5 a.m. And then another time it was 430 because I wanted to train for a marathon and it's too hot to run in Guam uh, after 7 a.m. So I had to I had to wake up at 430 in order to run like 15 miles. So wow. so I was waking up at 430 and I formed that habit, but I don't wake up at 430 now. <laughs> so it's what served me at the time. I don't have all the same habits. I have habits now that work for me that serve what I'm trying to do now. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's but, changed. That's evolved over time. But you never smoked again. No. And uh, one time I did. Uh, it was okay. at, a fu- at a funeral. At one oh, cigarette wow, since sorry. then. Yeah. Okay. So I was just like, at that point, I just did not have the mental like strength to do it. Uh, but I regretted it, and it was not enjoyable. And I, I thought it was what I needed. And um, no, I. Yeah, so no, I haven't I haven't been smoking. I wouldn't ever smoke again at this well, point. Well, I'm sorry for your loss. Um, uh, thank you, yeah. And what about, oh, you're out of debt? Out of debt? Um, once in a while, I'll take on debt for, on purpose now, but it's <laughs> uh, I, I manage my money a lot better. Uh-huh. Uh, there's still some messiness around finances that I'm working with, but definitely a lot better place than I was back in 2005, yeah. So what does it take? Like, it, does it take planning? What would be your number one, two, three takeaway for somebody who's trying to do something over a very long period of time. You already mentioned doing research and seeing what works for you. We already talked about knowing that it's going to be messy. That's Mm -hmm. a big deal. Uh, But aside from those things, as these resistances come up for you, even every human, uh, what would be the top three things that you would say that you should do? I'm thinking things like practical things like people can apply. Yeah, sure. Um, So the first one is have a reason why this really matters to you. That is not because I suck. Do you know what I mean? Like (laughs) I I need to fix something broken about me. Uh, Uh So this is usually where self-improvement comes from. It's almost in the term, you know, Mm self-improvement is that I need to improve something about me that I don't like. And that doesn't last. Uh, because when you're up against it, when you're like, I need to improve this thing about myself, I don't like this about myself, and I'm going to need to make it better. At, at some point, you're going to run up against your resistance and fear, and it's going to be really strong. And then you'll be like, ah, I don't, I can't do this. And so it, it trips you up in that moment. 
And so you need something stronger than that. And so that's why I said I'm saving not only saving my life, I'm saving my daughter's life, my wife's life, all my other kids. It mattered to me. Um, and it, so it has to be something like that where there's an emotional resonance to it that like, you know, this, you care so much about this that you're willing to walk through walls to make it happen because mm -hmm. you will have to walk through walls. And so, and you need to make that front and center, put it somewhere where you can see it and remember it when that, when that resistance hits you. You mean so write the, it? Write it down. Yeah. Like and put, put it, it somewhere. right next to your computer or on your bathroom mirror or something. You know, by your bedstand, put it on your lock screen of your phone, multiple places, so that when you are up against your fear and resistance, you will know why this matters. And you're talking about your wife and kids, and that's mm -hmm. your family. But what if it's something else, not wife or kids, and it's something that maybe somebody is waffling on, even though they know that it's something they want for themselves or it's like something that is so strong, like creators, right? A yeah. lot of creators have this issue. Uh, and they'll say, well, maybe I'm not supposed to be an artist or a writer or an author, yeah. whatever. So, That's your resistance. So, yeah. Yeah. So how do you convince yourself that is your core being? Because for me, my kids, my husband, I feel the same way. Like I would do anything for them, right? But how do you... If it's something optional, like you don't have right. to be an artist to feed yourself or feed your family, like sure. how do you work with that? Well, like you might notice for a lot of us that that often will come from a place like I need to put this out there because then I can say I'm an artist, you know, then I'll, you know, somehow validate myself. So that's, mm -hmm. that's kind of the, from the same place of I need to fix something about myself. I, I feel sucky that I haven't been putting my art out there. Mm -hmm. So there has to be a different, more expansive reason. So for example, I want to put my art out there because I'm hoping to light up people, people's lives, or I want to get them into a deeper, in touch with a deeper part of themselves. That's something that might matter to you. Like, I really want that. That's outside of myself. Um, it doesn't have to be outside of yourself. Maybe there's like, there's a, a song that I need to sing that just needs to get out. It just needs to. It's not because I suck if I don't do it. it it's just that it has to get out. Uh -huh. And so that that's a reason, you know, like, like that's you something. almost constipated, backed up. <laughs> it just needs to come out. It's, some it's fiber. Like... <laughs> so there's there's some something that you just uh, you feel called to express. There's a there's a uh -huh. part of yourself that needs to be expressed into the world. That's profound. That's actually profound because the other stuff could sometimes falter, right? Like you have a bad day. You're like, ah, I don't care what other people are doing today. Right. <laughs> and they don't like me anyway. Right. <laughs> but the other way that I like to look at it is like, is there, you know, imagine. So if you were trying to put a book out and it was like to help people. Mm -hmm. And so you have to make an, an emotional connection to the people you want to help. Like this is a version of you that, that was that's suffering right now. And so you just remember what it was like to be suffering and just feel like how strong that is to want to help that person. And so mm -hmm. you might even picture what that person is going through in their lives right now and say like, I, I need to help them. I, like This is not about validating myself. This is because I care deeply about these kind of people. So... That's the so that would be number one. You asked for three things. Yeah. Number one is have a reason that like really matters to you beyond mm -hmm. like I suck. <laughs> uh, second one is have some kind of commitment and structure. Mm 
So I mentioned some things that I did with quitting smoking where I made a promise. So that's mm -hmm. a commitment. Um, I made a promise also to the smoking um, forum where I was going to post something there if before I smoked. So that's mm -hmm. a commitment. And then I, um, you know, so structure, if you're writing a book or putting, you know, creating something, it's like, mm -hmm. when am I going to actually sit down and create? When am I going to go into the studio? When am I going to sit in front of my writing project and actually start writing? So when is that going to happen? Is there going to be any accountability? And the, um, you know, is there any, anyone I'm going to report to? You know, maybe I get on a Zoom call with people, and a video call with people, and I write while they do their project. And so there's like a focus kind of session uh, that we can do together. Um, and, and you wrote your blog to help you stay accountable. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that was what I realized is like I needed, I needed accountability. And so I created it for myself, wrote a blog. You can start a WhatsApp group right now. I'm doing a 33-day fitness challenge with my wife and kids. And we have a, a WhatsApp group where we just post every day. How did you do? Nice. Yeah. So that kind of thing. So that's commitment and structure. And people who are creators are often very resistant to, to commitment and structure, if, especially if you're more of the artist type. And I just want to like do it because I feel inspired or I feel like it will resist the commitment and structure. But what that's going to do is just have you do it whenever you kind of feel like it, which mm -hmm. is not going to be sufficient for actually creating what you want to create. Mm -hmm. And it's also not going to be sufficient if you're trying to change your life and like the habits that I talked about. Like just saying, I just want to you know, not smoke. It's not actually going to happen unless you create some kind of commitment and structure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and the accountability, I mean, it, even if you don't have a group available to you, like you said, you could even just write a blog and put it out into the internet. I had a yeah. guest, Claire Pooley, She's hysterical. She, she was an alcoholic and she wanted to stop drinking. So she started a blog, kind of like an online diary for herself called Mommy Was the Secret Drinker. I mean, she thought nobody was reading and all of a sudden she had millions of readers. Oh, wow. I interviewed her and she is now a best-selling author. She's on her, I think, fourth or fifth fiction book. They're amazing fiction stories, has nothing to do with drinking. She did have one book about the whole experience. But mm -hmm. like you said, her accountability was writing a blog that she yeah. thought no one was going to read. Yeah. So I, I I think that's a great solution. Um, um, if you don't want to do that, some people will just won't do that. Um, there's online groups. You know, like mm -hmm. I said, I found I found a group that was doing that. There's so many groups for How accountability. How did you find that group? Just random Facebook Google. group? Google. It's like the first, yeah, the first one that came up. Um, oh, So okay. I just go on there and then I, I read like all of their stories. This is why these really help. You can read their stories about the mm -hmm. journey they're going through so you don't feel so alone. You realize I'm not the only one who faces these kinds of things. That's you learn one, right? what they're doing that works. And so you start mm -hmm. collecting some uh, different kinds of strategies. And that's, uh -huh. those, that's one place where I, I got a lot of strategies. And then I you read it. Reddit is a Reddit, great, yeah. Reddit's a great one. Yeah, mm -hmm. there's Facebook groups, there's WhatsApp groups, there's there's so many different groups online now. Okay. It's, it's a abundance of them. Um, right. But and then and the your other one is too. Your podcast, right? You're going to hold podcast, people yeah. accountable. Mm -hmm. Well, they're going to have to hold themselves accountable, but they definitely can commit to to accountability with me. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then the other thing that really helps with these kinds of groups is that when you are struggling. You don't have to be alone in it. You can actually reach out and say, "Ah, you know, I'm gets you know, help me," um, because what happens if you're alone? You don't have anyone to reach out to. Is that you just um, 
it feels hopeless and you feel helpless. And so um, it really helps to have some kind of support. And it's asynchronous. So you could do it in the middle of the night if you wake up True. and you have to talk. Yeah. But you shouldn't use your tech at night. You know, if you need to, you got to <laughs> use it. If you need you know? to, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Well, those are amazing tips. And your transformation is amazing. And Thank your you. story is always just so inspiring to me. And I'm sure uh, to the millions of readers that you have. What about your kids? Did they benefit from all the work you've done on habits? You know, and obviously they're doing a fitness challenge with you. So Yeah. The main thing is that I am modeling for them, like what it's like to not be perfect, but go through change. And so it's like, you know, this is hard. It's struggle, you know, and, and you know, this is something that I'm committed to. And so they could see me working with it. And I talk to them about it. You know, even now, like I still have things that I struggle with and I'll talk to them about the struggles. So they know that it's not just like, oh, dad just flips a switch and it's fixed, you know? So this is a process that I go through and I'm modeling that for them. And I, I think that's important. Um, they're all going through their own process. And what they're learning from me is to how to trust yourself in that process. And so they're going through it. It's going to be a struggle for them in their 20s. But I trust them and I, I help to help them to trust themselves. Um, we do definitely do challenges together. We've done push-up challenges, pull-up challenges, drawing challenges, all kinds of stuff. And that's a way to um, get them more involved and actually be learning, discovering for themselves some of the stuff that I discovered. Uh, but what I learned that doesn't work is me telling them what to do and how to do it. So <laughs> I don't do that anymore. I've definitely tried a bunch of times. Yeah. I do that with my kids. And it's <laughs> how many mind. do you have? I only have two, but they they might as well be six. <laughs> no, how many? How old are they? <laughs> oh, my son is twenty three, and oh, wow. uh, he just graduated school. He just graduated from Harvard in June. Oh, and wow. my daughter is uh, nineteen, and she's a sophomore at Princeton. So oh, wow. I'm an empty nester, and now this is why I'm working with all my resistance, <laughs> <laughs> and really, you know, having that urge to put things out there, like you were talking about. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I have two, and I tell them what to do a lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's working. And, Princeton and well, Harvard. I think you're you're doing okay. <laughs> well, they they had to do all the work. I mean, sure. I just yeah, say but you stuff. told them what to do. I just yeah. say things, and then they like. Well, they they tell me things now. The okay. the greatest thing about parenthood, I think, is when they grow up, and then they can advise you. <laughs> <laughs> I love That's that. cool. So, that. but my son, I just got off the phone with him right before you, and I was telling him to do something about the dust because, mm -hmm. you know, the allergies. And he said to me, Oh, yeah, I did that yesterday. So it's like this running <laughs> joke. He just says he did it. Whatever I tell him, he's like, Oh, yeah, I did that yesterday. Yep, I'm done with that. <laughs> done and we already. just laugh. We're just on that's the floor great. laughing. So that's how it goes here. <laughs> <laughs> but um, thank you so much for your time. I really yeah. appreciate you being here. I know you're on a schedule. Because yeah. you're Zen and you have habits to follow. Because <laughs> <Right? laughs> me, I'm like, I just disregard time a lot of times. And that's one of the things I'm working on. So I will end on time. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah. But Leo, this was amazing. And I want to keep in touch. And can you please tell everybody where to find you um, about your Fearless 2.0? It looks like an amazing sure. retreat that you have. Yeah. So zenhabits.net is the website. And that's where you can find everything. Um, if you go to podcast.zenhabits.net, you'll see the podcast. Um, and then I have a program called Fearless Living Academy where I have a lot of courses. I think there's like 30 video courses in there. 
and a community of people. So if you actually want some accountability and support, all the stuff that I talked about, that's actually one place to go is Fearless Living Academy. And then I am uh, putting out a retreat. It's in October. So I don't know when this podcast, when you'll be listening to this, uh, but it's called the Art of Letting Go Retreat. And it's going to be in the mountains of North Carolina, really beautiful space. And we'll be working in person with letting go. And so some of the stuff that we talked about today, we'll be going deeper into it. So I invite you to come join me there. Meditation and in-person kind of practices will be playing together, basically uh, creating, using play to create the ability to face some of our resistance and fears and let go and create something new for ourselves. Okay, well, I'll definitely put the links there. Awesome. And I hope to have you back okay. after New Year's because that's when everybody talks about habits all the time. So okay, thank you again, Leo. It was so great to see you in person. Thanks, Juna. Thank you so much for listening. Forward this to a friend, a family member, anyone who needs to stress less. And soon enough, you'll be surrounded by more Zen people. Your support is literally what makes this possible. Subscribe and head on over to YouTube to my Fall Asleep Easy channel. Sign up for your updates at mindbodyspace.com and get special tips into your inbox once a month. Until next time, this is Dr. Juno wishing you wellness.